from app.com, it's time to talk college hoops in the Garden State. Welcome to Jersey Jump Shot. And welcome back to Jersey Jump Shot. Ryan Ross here with Jerry Carino, Steve Edelson, and Chris Eisman. A fun week of college basketball here in the Garden State, and we're excited to talk about it. New Jersey is blue after Seton Hall beats Rutgers 45-43 Sunday night in a back-and-forth game. Very exciting atmosphere over at Jersey Mike's Arena. We have so much to talk about. A brutal brutal week for Rutgers. Uh, they lose on a buzzer beater to Ohio State. Then, of course, they lose at home to their rival. Controversy in both games. We'll get into that as well. And maybe some renewed optimism if you're a Pirates fan as they go on the road and win in what is usually an impossible atmosphere to win in. So much to talk about as we look at this Garden State Hardwood Classic. And Jerry, uh, I know you have a list of things you want to hit on, so the floor is yours, man. What a great game. What a fun atmosphere for, for New Jersey college basketball fans. And I, I think I think you said it right, Ryan. It was a great game. Okay. The, it wasn't aesthetically pleasing. <laughs> look, 45-43 is – it ain't James Naismith's purest basketball, you know. But – It was a great game in the sense that it was close, it was unpredictable, and every possession was a war. And what I saw, and maybe I looked through jersey-colored glasses a little bit, what I I saw last night was, you know, two teams that aren't very good offensively, but more importantly, two teams that played their rear ends off defensively and that had the throttle on high in terms of effort. So to me, that was what this rivalry is about. And then the main takeaway I have, from yesterday, from the, you know this Rutgers Seton Hall game, and also encompassing, you know Rutgers' controversial loss at Ohio State Thursday night, which I believe played into this game. My main takeaway is how much of this game, this sport, college basketball, and I think other sports too, but college basketball is in the mind, in the mind. Seton Hall went into a place, and I watched Indiana went in there last week. It was just as filled. Just as hostile, Indiana wilted like a flower, wilted like a flower in the winter, okay? Just totally collapsed. Indiana, their head, they weren't tough enough. They they were soft. They weren't strong enough. Seton Hall goes in there, didn't care, did not care about the hostility, the environment, the crowd, didn't care about what Rutgers has done at home. Didn't care. So what you saw was a coach, Shaheen Holloway, and a player who was the MVP, Casey Nadefo. These guys, they beat Purdue in a winner-take-all game last year. They beat Kentucky in a winner-take-all game last year. You think they cared about the environment at the rack? They didn't care. They loved it. They lapped it up. Casey Nadefo was talking the entire game on the court, talking to his teammates, talking to Rutgers players. You have to go in with an edge with an edge into that place, and that's what Seton Hall did. On the flip side, Rutgers was sad about what happened Thursday. And listen, it's hard. Like, it's easy for us to say, okay, you know, move on. But you're talking about 18 to 22-year-old athletes who pour everything into this sport and to be screwed like they were at Ohio State and then to have to fly back, travel on one day and get ready for Seton Hall is tough. And here's the thing, and I said this last year, I thought Rutgers lost last year's game, last year's game, when they beat Purdue with a half-court shot. Rutgers spent the entire – it was a Thursday night game. Rutgers spent the entire day Friday answering national media inquiries. Good Morning America, the Today Show, ESPN. They spent the entire day, not really a fault of their own, 
but they just spent the they have to capitalize on those moments. They spent the entire day Friday reliving that Purdue game, and then this year they spent the entire day Friday reliving the debacle at in Columbus. And I'm telling you, I talked to people who were in the gym. It was very hard to turn the page. And I do think, even though Rutgers played hard, I do think there was there was still a little bit of an edge not there, maybe a focus not there from the Ohio State hangover. Be- college basketball is in the mind, and that's what you saw this week. A team that Seton Hall's not as good as Rutgers right now willed themselves to victory, and these are the kinds of un- – predictable things that make rivalries great well i gotta tell you it was an incredible atmosphere at jersey mike's arena last night and i I think a couple of takeaways from the game kind of tying into what jerry talked about you know i think from a seton hall perspective you know you just went in and won at rutgers right why can't Seton Hall, if they're going to play like that, particularly on defense, you know, yes, they have some challenges offensively, but why can't you be a contender in the Big East? And let's face it, with Shaheen Holloway, you know, in a big game, I, I would not bet against him. And and who knows this year? Maybe it's a big game at the Garden in the Big East tournament. You know, who knows where it's going to be? But, you know, that's a heck of a chip to have, have in your side there is Shaheen Holloway right now. And you saw it. In this game, you know, I think from a Rutgers standpoint in that game, I think he expected more, you know, and I I know there were factors, but coming back home to that environment after what happened in Columbus, you know, they they just looked sluggish from the start. And yes, uh, there was a hangover from that. But, uh, you know, I think that's why that was kind of the frustration of Rutgers fans last night was you just kind of expected a little more in that spot from them. Uh, just to just to add on to that, uh, one more thing, Steve, on that subject, especially the crowd, because we've had some, you know, uh, Rutgers fans uh, debating like the quality of the crowd last night. And listen, they were you saw I mean, they were ready to explode and they right. didn't explode. And so, look. 45 to 43, your team scores 43 points. There's a, only a certain amount of hyped up you can get. But, however, however, I was there last year. It wasn't 50 years ago. Last year, Rutgers beat Iowa. I think, Chris, I'm sure you were there. 48-46. That place was rocking. Yeah, that was a rocking. great game. Right, Chris? Yep, absolutely. Was that place was rocking. Rutgers scored 48 points. They bricked a ton of shots. The place was rocking. The difference was... Rutgers fans, especially students, expected to roll over Seton Hall last night and were shocked when Seton Hall opened with a roundhouse to the chin and the crowd did not recover. You can be raucous for a game in the 40s. We saw it last year. But Seton Hall took the crowd out of the game because and maybe this is a sign of how far Rutgers has evolved. Rutgers fans expected to win that game last night and were shocked and dismayed the longer Seton Hall hung around. Fans appreciate defense. They can get up for that. You know, they enjoy that. It's, it's, I mean, Rutgers fans especially, that's kind of been a hallmark of these teams the last few years. So there's no doubt. I totally agree with that, Jerry. And you know, Chris, too, because you've seen a lot of these games, as many as I have, the past couple of years under Peichel. Like, Rutgers has, has done this to a lot of teams. They've mucked up games and beaten teams or been right there at the finish who maybe were playing better than them because that's what they did. Like That was Seton Hall's blueprint last night. So Rutgers fans should have been able to appreciate that in a way. They pulled – Shaheen Holloway pulled a page out of Steve Peichel's book. He wasn't winning – Seton Hall was not winning that game 70 to 65. They were only going to win it around 50 or in the high 40s, and that's what they did.
Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at this game now and, and how these teams move forward from this, you know, like you said, Jerry, it's this this game film isn't going into the Hall of Fame anytime soon. There's a lot of offensive struggles, uh, a lot of that unforced errors, but a lot of it as the result of this Seton Hall defense. And and maybe a team that's been searching for their identity, trying to figure out who they are with Shaheen Holloway there in his first year coaching, uh, a lot of new players in the program as well, trying to find who they are and, and what their calling card is. And, you know, to borrow the term from college football, defense travels. And when you bring that toughness on the road, and they're going to need it in some of the environments they'll face in the Big East this year, when you bring that toughness on the road, when you bring that defense on the road, that's a blueprint for success. And of course, easier said than done. But when you're able to go on the road and like we saw last night, kind of take the crowd out of it and, and have a counterpunch for everything that Rutgers threw at you, and make the game sloppy and muck it up a little bit and, and win ugly. They'll take it. It's a win. Maybe that's who these Pirates are as we are here, you know, early December, trying to search for their identity, the biggie schedule around the corner. Maybe this is the blueprint for them going forward. And then when you look on the other side for Rutgers, uh, they let one loss maybe become two losses. And that's the sign of an inexperienced team. That's something that you'll see a lot in college basketball when teams are playing two or three games a week. They're feeling a little sorry for themselves or they're feeling too high about themselves after a win. And they let it become a loss when maybe it shouldn't have been. So now Rutgers turns around. They have Wake Forest coming in. That's certainly not a pushover team. You have a power five team coming uh, into your building uh, on Saturday. And then Seton Hall looking ahead. They have Drexel on Wednesday and Providence on Saturday. So for these two teams moving forward, Jerry, we'll start with the Pirates. What does this game mean as we look to the week ahead? Hold on, I'm not done. I'm not done chewing over last night. Sorry, there's a lot going on here, Ryan. Um, so, and Steve alluded to this also with Holloway. Uh, Holloway has been breaking down Seton Hall behind closed doors. Okay, he's been really tough on these players. He, he's been trying to remold them in his image, and that he's been really hard on these guys. And like we have asked Holloway before every game, you know, you're. This is before a moment. This is your first game as Seton Hall's head coach. What does it mean? Doesn't mean anything. You're playing St. Peter's, the team you led to the Elite Eight last year. What does it mean? Doesn't mean anything. You're in Fog Allen Fieldhouse for the first time since they recruited you as a McDonald's All American. Ancient history doesn't mean anything. We asked him before the Rutgers game, what does it mean? This game means something. This game means something. And the same vein, Holloway's been rough on these guys, but last night, he had those guys' backs. He ran out on that court and gave Al Dawes a, a low five after Dawes hit a triple. Holloway, like a like sort of a master conductor, he knew exactly when to raise the baton and up the up the ante for that for that orchestral performance. So really a masterful piece of coaching. And Steve, you've seen this because you've you've watched him closely the last few years. Well, I think one of the keys, and you saw it, and Jerry, I know you've been going back and forth with Seton Hall fans on this, but you saw last night how critical bringing Casey Nadefo here with him was, just in terms of the attitude and the toughness that he wants to instill in that program. And, and Nadefo is there to kind of show the way of that. And, you know, I, I, I just think you saw that. I think also in terms of Seton Hall, what is Holloway going to be able to get out of Kadari Richmond? He is the X factor on this team. The kid is so talented. And uh, you know, I think if he can, if he can squeeze as much as he can out of that, that's going to be huge for Seton Hall here too. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I don't have anything to add to that, Steve. That's perfect analysis. Uh, I would just say, I said this in, in October and November, 
Seton Hall is going to be a lot better in February than they are now. And I think you saw like a big step forward toward the team they're going to be. And they don't even, you know, when they get Alexis yet in the back, who's the other big they desperately need. Yeah. That's going to, that's going to help too. But Casey Nadefo is probably six, five. Okay. I don't care what they list him at. He's like 200 pounds. He's like my weight. Okay. And he's, of course, he's a lot taller than me. He, he, he stifled Cliff Omer, Cliff Omori's six eleven. He blocked him at the rim at the end of a game. That's Will. That's Will. That's grit. That's like guy who's been, you know, done this at the highest levels. And that's what Steve mentioned there. So yeah, we, so that's. I think again, it plays into the, the what's in the mind. And now, if you want to turn a page and look ahead, and you know, Chris is going to cover Rutgers Wake Forest on Saturday. If you want to look ahead, let's talk about Rutgers for a minute. But what's in the mind of Rutgers now? What do they have to do to close out the non-conference schedule? And Wake Forest is not bad. When this game was scheduled, I thought they were crappy. I thought it would be like a win they would get nothing out of. That's not really true right now. So I don't know, Chris. I mean, what you've covered this program for a while. They got a week here. If you're Steve Peichel, what do you do? If you're a leader, upperclassman leader on this team, what do you do to sort of get from this week to where Rutgers has to be or where they can be? Yeah, I mean, like you said, sure. I mean, you really have to, you know, he has to figure out a way to kind of reset their minds and kind of remind them what they were doing so well, you know, for most, for a lot of the season. I mean, they have offensive issues. There's no doubt about that. They have to start making their layups more consistently. That's been a killer. Um, they have to figure that out. But listen, I mean, they know who they are. And, and obviously they're still growing. They're still evolving as a team. I think the things that you've seen that have been impressive, you know, the, the solid play of, of Derek Simpson, Simpson, his emergence, I think Cam Spencer has to be more consistent. But I think that he can find a way to kind of get them back to, you know, knowing who they are, understanding who they are that, you know, and, and listen, I mean, they're at home. I think Wake Forest, this is not going to be a team, in my opinion, that's like Seton Hall, that's going to come in ready, knowing what to expect, playing at the rack, obviously, um, or kind of having an idea of, of, you know, knowing what that rivalry is about and having that, that enthusiasm and kind of that extra added um, intrigue in that game. I mean, I think that this is a big opportunity for Rutgers to, you know, get another, you know, kind of in its last opportunity, you know, to get a good non-conference win before going into the heart of Big Ten play. So, you know, I think that I think you have to trust Steve Peichel that he's going to find a way to kind of, like I said, reset those guys' minds. This is this Rutgers team is still good. Like the fact that they lost two one possession games to at a really good Ohio State team and in a rivalry game where the opponent, you know, really knew them well and wasn't afraid of the rack, really. That doesn't mean Rutgers is suddenly bad. We know they're not a great offensive team. They still play hard. They still play terrific defense, and they still have guys who can make plays. So, yes, I totally agree. Like, you can't – this is a long season, college basketball, and you got to understand, Pendulum's going to swing a little bit, but it's hard to draw, like, super grand conclusions. I still think Rutgers is good. I still think it's an NCAA tournament team, but Chris is right. Like, you got six days to clear your head. you got to get Wake Forest. you got to get this one non-quality non-conference win at home – just just get it done, and then you can turn the page from there. If I'm Rutgers, I almost don't mind having the week to think about it and to kind of, you know, clear your mind a little bit, take a break, and then get ready for this Wake Forest team. They're 7-3. and three. Uh, You know, having them on your home floor it certainly helps. The, you know, they're not world beaters in any sense, but they're a good quality team from the ACC, and it's an opportunity, once again, to, to get a good win over a good, solid team, uh, try to build that resume a little bit, and try to move on from this week. And, and that's the thing. Like we said, that Thursday loss, you could argue, maybe it resulted in the Sunday loss as well. So to be able to move on from that and to get a good quality win and then look ahead uh, to the weeks coming up as you get ready for conference play, it's an opportunity for Rutgers to kind of hit the reset button. And, and like Chris said, get back to what they do well because they were playing well 
prior to this week. They do have some strengths that we have seen from them. Of course, the, the other strength that we have talked about is this home floor advantage. So take advantage of that and get a win and just kind of hit the reset button. And then when you look on the other side for Seton Hall, they have Drexel Wednesday and then Providence on Saturday. Providence is eight and three. That's a tough game for the Pirates. This is another one where kind of, a you know, the same but different. Put this week behind you. Yes, you got the rivalry win. You got this emotional win in a back and forth kind of ugly way. Now it's time to, to refocus again because that is behind you and you have the meat of this Big East schedule just around the corner. So when you look ahead to the week for the Pirates, Jerry, uh, of course, Drexel, you have them coming in Wednesday. That's a game that they should win. And then a tough one with Providence on Saturday. Well, first of all, I think Seton Hall fans should greet this team with an enormous ovation on Wednesday. I don't think people realize, like you know, we know because we've been there. But I don't think the casual fan who is not who doesn't attend games at in Piscataway understands how hard it is to go in and win at the rack. And I think you know Jersey Mike Serena. I think Seton Hall fans. I'm not saying they're going to pack the building. It's Drexel on a Wednesday and non-com we, in December. We know it. we we understand it's not going to be a huge crowd. I think the people who are there should greet this team with a huge ovation. And I. You know, the game Saturday is important. I mean, the big, the conference opener is always huge. You have the game at home. Providence is a similar team with a similar style of play, very similar. And so, and Ed Cooley is, and, and Shaheen Holloway are friends. And I think, I think Shaheen admires like what Ed's done with the program. That's maybe a part of the blueprint for him. So it's a really important game for Seton Hall, which then goes on the road for a couple Big East games. So Seton Hall's a little bit behind here because they have that, you know, they have that loss. To uh to Siena that hurts. They do have a win over Memphis. It's looking really good now uh, on a neutral court. But Seno's got to collect more wins. And Providence at home in the Big East opener is a good time to start. Again, this is going to be another like it's not an oil painting, folks. Like if you if you want to see you know the basketball the the way they do it in clinics, don't go. Don't watch this game. It's going to be in the fifties. Okay, maybe not in the forties. It's going to be in the fifties, but. You're going to see two teams playing their rear end off and defending. And to me, there's always a place for that in this sport. Take care of business Wednesday. Drexel, they were a tournament team a year ago. Uh, so certainly focus on that. Give them the ovation they deserve after a hard-fought win over their rival and then move on from there. As we look ahead to this week quickly, we'll we'll wrap up our, our D1, our major programs here with Rutgers and Seton Hall. Let's get some predictions in. First starting with Rutgers and Wake Forest and then the week ahead for the Pirates with Drexel and Providence. We'll start with you, Jerry. So, you know, I think I see Rutgers winning, beating Wake Forest. I think six days they'll get their head together. You'll see Rutgers. Wake Forest isn't bad, but you'll see Rutgers A game at home. Uh, I, I see Rutgers winning by double digits, 12 to 15 points at home. Seton Hall, you know, should be able to beat Drexel pretty comfortably. Uh, and then Providence is kind of a toss-up. It's hard to say, you know, they have another game in between. But I like Seton Hall at home and another meat grinder, one possession game against Providence. I think Seton Hall's maybe turned a little corner here. So I, I see a good week for the high majors, both high majors coming off this battle on Sunday. Steve, how about you? You know, I think it's really a critical week uh, for Rutgers here. And um, I, I would look for them to come back strong. I, I, I really do. I think, I think Rutgers will win. I think Seton Hall is going to, is going to be Providence. Uh, I agree with Jerry. I, I think that was a, a really good sign you know, for these two teams. And uh, I think they're both going to have good weeks. Chris. Yeah, I agree. I think Rutgers should win. You know, I'm not going to say easily, but I think relatively easily against Wake Forest. I, I would predict at least a 10 point win for them. 
I think it's a bounce back week as well for for Rutgers. They win on Saturday and another two and zero week. I think I agree with Jerry. I think Seton Hall's kind of found themselves a little bit and, and have established this identity. And like you said, it, it might be ugly in person, but a win's a win. So I think uh, they take care of business against Drexel on Wednesday, and then another ugly win, but a win no matter what uh, against Providence this coming week. Uh, as for our mid majors in the state of New Jersey, we had a couple of other New Jersey. Uh, basketball games, all Jersey games. It was Princeton blowing out Mammoth 91 to 54. The Tigers are eight and two this season. And Fairleigh Dickinson with a close win over NJIT 73 71. Fairleigh Dickinson is six and six for the year. As we look ahead, it's Princeton. They have an interesting game coming up against Iona. Iona six and two. They play tomorrow, Tuesday night at Kane University, and then they're home against Delaware on Saturday. So in the, the world of mid-majors, what stood out to us this past week, Steve? Well, I think there's two really intriguing stories kind of brewing at the mid-major level in New Jersey. One is obviously Princeton. They've won eight straight. They're eight and two going in to face Rick Pitino and Iona Tuesday at Kane in a, in a, a one-off game up there. And uh, that's a really interesting game. And Princeton is good. They are very good. And, and they're going to be a contender in the Ivy League. Yale is very good, too. I watched their game against Xavier uh, a couple nights ago, and, and they gave them all they could handle. But Princeton is very good. Uh, I think the and I think FDU is a really really interesting story. You know, Tobin Anderson has done a great job coming in there, and he brought two kids with him from St. Thomas Aquinas. You know, Division two team who are tearing it up right now. Dimitri Roberts and Grant Singleton. You know, I think between them they're averaging about thirty two points a game. They won at St. Joe's. They've won three straight. Um, and and I, I think you got to keep an eye on FDU right now, too. So I, I think there's a lot going on at the mid-major level that, that's really good right now. Yeah, FDU, I want to do a little shout-out to FDU here. I mean, they, they were starting over and brought in a coach and two guards from Division Two. Amazing. So for them to be 6-6, six and six, and they beat NJIT in a close game. NJIT has some talent, too. That's a, that's a good job by, by Tobin Anderson and his staff. So, look, they play in the Northeast Conference. Who knows? I mean, this is, you know, that conference is just known for having crazy stuff happen in the, in the tournament at the end of the season. So I, I got to keep an eye on them. I'm, I'm impressed. I'd like to catch them at some point in one of their games. Princeton, uh, Steve, fascinating game against Iona at Kane. Fascinating game. Iona is one of the top mid-majors in the country. Princeton is trending in that direction. Uh the game's in a weird venue. It's in Harwood Arena, Division Three. You know, I have an office on campus. I may have to go and then repair to my office to write it up. I will say this, and I know this is so it goes to show you how hard it is to schedule. Like they couldn't, they could not get Rick Pitino down to Jad when there was no chance of that happening. They'd have to bring him down there in a straitjacket. Um, this is Prince. This is what Princeton Princeton needed the game. Look, for Princeton, it's all about what they do in the Ivy League, but the non-conference is important for them to sharpen that iron for later. So they have trouble getting games. No one wants to play them. You get treated like a leper. It's a shame because they're a quad two win, you know, right now for teams. Um, Iona said, okay, we'll play you. Patino picks the venue, and that's where it is. So I'm really curious. I might poke my head in there. What is this scene like here? And Mitch Henderson, who I think is a terrific coach, and Steve, you said this. He gets a lot out of his team every year with all the turnover they've had. I think it's a really good coaching chess match, Mitch Henderson against Rick Pitino. You could not find two more opposite personalities, by the way. 
Well, and it's interesting because you look at all the players that Princeton lost, including Jalen Llewellyn, who was as dynamic as, as any guard at the mid-major level last year. Um, and, you know, they just completely hit the reset button and they're right back where they were. And and I think a lot of people within that program think this team might eventually be better than that team. And uh, so, yeah, I, I think it is a really intriguing matchup for sure. Steve, are you worried about Mammoth? Yeah, I'm, I think there's concern, and I, I one of the things I wrote this morning heading into to the Monday night game at Syracuse is, look, t- take the high majors out of the equation, and they played a bunch of them, and even the best of Mama's teams, you know, those things can go badly wrong. I think what troubles you is the Princeton and the Ryder games, okay? Those are two teams that are staples of the Mammoth schedule for 30, 40 years, all right? The, the Ryder game had never been determined by more than 21 points. No one had ever won by that. They lost by 36 out there, right? Same with Princeton. They lost by 37, the most a mammoth team has ever lost at Princeton. Um, so that's a bad sign. Um, and, and and listen, they, they, they've got a brutal schedule coming up the rest of the way. You know, I think King Rice clearly – underestimated what he could do with this roster this year. They they didn't bring in any experienced players or scores via the transfer portal. You know, combine that with a few injuries and a brutal schedule and, and mama's in a tough spot right now. Yeah, absolutely. That schedule, just a quick look at it right now, as you said, at Syracuse tonight, Monday night, they have Charlotte on Saturday. And then that Yale team you just mentioned, Steve, they have them coming up next week. Yeah. And Charlotte's really good. Yeah. I think Charlotte's nine and three or something right now. And, and, and as I said, Yale, Yale, Yale gave Xavier all they could handle on the road. So um, it's, it's going to be tough. And then they get right into conference play with UNC Wilmington. So uh, it's, there's no rest for the weary here for Monmouth. Yeah. One and nine Monmouth on the season and, and a tough road ahead for them, for the Hawks. So we'll see if they can turn it around. Yeah. We've seen, we've seen Monmouth turn it up in conference play before, but this might be another, a different situation. You're stepping up in class a little bit here. Yeah. And, and again, and I think that's why the, the I kind of pointed to the Princeton and the Ryder games, because these are the constants right here. And yes, this team, maybe they will rally and, and turn into a good team uh, with a little more experience and everything. But, you know, right now they're playing as 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 poorly as probably any Mammoth team has ever played right now. Absolutely. We'll keep an eye on them. We'll keep an eye on all of our majors and mid-majors, of course, in the Garden State. Visit NorthJersey.com, APP.com, MyCentralJersey.com to read Jerry, Steve, and Chris's reporting on college hoops here in New Jersey. Of course, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe. Tell your friends to subscribe because we have this show coming to you every Monday throughout the college basketball season. What a fun week we had. What a great week we have coming up in the world of college basketball here in New Jersey. Thank you so much for listening to Jersey Jump Shot. For Jerry, for Steve, for Chris, I'm Ryan, and we'll talk to you next week. Jersey Jump Shot is a production of the Asbury Park Press and USA Today Network. Subscribe at app.com.